Section 4 of The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government, Volume 1A. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government by Jefferson Davis. Volume 1A. Part 1. Chapter 4. The author enters the cabinet. Administration of the War Department. Surveys for a Pacific Railway. Extension of the Capitol. New regiments organized. Colonel Samuel Cooper, Adjutant General. A bit of civil service reform. Re-election to the Senate. Continuity of the Pierce Cabinet. Character of Franklin Pierce. Happy in the peaceful pursuits of a planter, busily engaged in cares for servants, in the improvement of my land, in building, in rearing livestock, and the like occupations, the time passed pleasantly away until my retirement was interrupted by an invitation to take a place in the cabinet of Mr. Pierce, who had been elected to the presidency of the United States in November 1852. Although warmly attached to Mr. Pierce personally, and entertaining the highest estimate of his character and political principles, private and personal reasons led me to decline the offer. This was followed by an invitation to attend the ceremony of his inauguration, which took place on the 4th of March, 1853. While in Washington, on this visit, I was induced by public considerations to reconsider my determination and accept the office of Secretary of War. The public records of that period will best show how the duties of that office were performed. While in the Senate, I had advocated the construction of a railway to connect the valley of the Mississippi with the Pacific coast, and when an appropriation was made to determine the most eligible route for that purpose, the Secretary of War was charged with its application. We had then but little of that minute and accurate knowledge of the interior of the continent which was requisite for a determination of the problem. Several different parties were therefore organized to examine the various routes supposed to be practicable within the northern and southern limits of the United States. The arguments which I had used as a senator were the military necessity for such means of transportation and the need of safe and rapid communication with the Pacific Slope to secure its continuance as a part of the Union. In the organization and equipment of these parties and in the selection of their officers, care was taken to provide for securing full and accurate information upon every point involved in the determination of the route. The only discrimination made was in the more prompt and thorough equipment of the parties for the extreme northern line, and this was only because that was supposed to be the most difficult of execution of all the surveys. In like manner, my advocacy while in the Senate of an extension of the capital by the construction of a new Senate chamber and hall of representatives, 
may have caused the appropriation for that object to be put under my charge as secretary of war during my administration of the war department material changes were made in the models of arms iron gun carriages were introduced and experiments were made which led to the casting of heavy guns hollow instead of boring them after casting inquiries were made with regard to gunpowder which subsequently led to the use of a coarser grain for artillery during the same period the army was increased by the addition of two regiments of infantry and two of cavalry the officers of these regiments were chosen partly by selection from those already in service in the regular army and partly by appointment from civil life in making the selections from the army i was continually indebted to the assistance of that pure-minded and accurately informed officer colonel samuel cooper the adjutant general of whom it may be proper here to say that although his life had been spent in the army and he of course had the likes and dislikes inseparable from men who are brought into close contact and occasional rivalry i never found in his official recommendations any indication of partiality or prejudice toward any one when the first list was made out to be submitted to the president a difficulty was found to exist which had not occurred either to colonel cooper or myself this was that the officers selected purely on their military record did not constitute a roster conforming to that distribution among the different states which for political considerations it was thought desirable to observe that is to say the number of such officers of southern birth was found to be disproportionately great under instructions from the president the list was therefore revised and modified in accordance with this new element of geographical distribution this as i am happy to remember was the only occasion in which the current of my official action while secretary of war was disturbed in any way by sectional or political considerations under former administrations of the war office it had not been customary to make removals or appointments upon political grounds except in the case of clerkships to this usage i not only adhered but extended it to include the clerkships also the chief clerk who had been removed by my predecessor had peculiar qualifications for the place and although known to me only officially he was restored to the position it will probably be conceded by all who are well informed on the subject that his restoration was a benefit to the public service. Footnote 11 Soon after my entrance upon duty as Secretary of War, General Jessup, the Quartermaster General, presented to me a list of names from which to make selection of a clerk for his department. Observing that he had attached certain figures to these names, I asked whether the figures were intended to indicate the relative qualifications or preference in his estimation of the several applicants, and upon his answer in the affirmative, without further question, authorized him to appoint number one of his list. A day or two afterward, 
certain democratic members of congress called on me and politely inquired whether it was true that i had appointed a whig to a position in the war office certainly not i answered we thought you were not aware of it said they and proceeded to inform me that mr blank the recent appointee to the clerkship just mentioned was a whig after listening patiently to this statement i answered that it was they who were deceived not i i had appointed a clerk he had been appointed neither as a whig nor as a democrat but merely as the fittest candidate for the place in the estimation of the chief of the bureau to which it belonged i further gave them to understand that the same principle of selection would be followed in similar cases so far as my authority extended after some further discussion of the question the visitors withdrew dissatisfied with the result of the interview the quartermaster-general on hearing of this conversation hastened to inform me that it was all a mistake that the appointee to the office had been confounded with his father who was a well-known whig but that he the son was a democrat i assured the general that this was altogether immaterial adding that it was a very pretty quarrel as it stood and that i had no desire to effect a settlement of it on any inferior issue thenceforward however i was but little troubled with any pressure for political appointments in the department the reader desirous for further information relative to the administration of the war department during this period may find it in the various official reports and estimates of works of defense prosecuted or recommended arsenals of construction and depots of arms maintained or suggested and foundries employed during the presidency of mr pierce eighteen fifty three to fifty seven having been again elected by the legislature of mississippi as senator to the united states i passed from the cabinet of mr pierce on the last day of his term march fourth eighteen fifty seven to take my seat in the senate the administration of franklin pierce presents the only instance in our history of the continuance of the cabinet for four years without a single change in its personnel when it is remembered that there was much dissimilarity if not incongruity of character among the members of that cabinet some idea may be formed of the power over men possessed and exercised by mr pierce chivalrous generous amiable true to his friends and to his faith frank and bold in the declaration of his opinions he never deceived any one and if treachery had ever come near him it would have stood abashed in the presence of his truth his manliness and his confiding simplicity end of chapter four recording by bill mosley bernardo texas u s a